0: It is Thursday,
1: February 22nd.
0: I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Spring training games begin today. And the upsets keep coming in college hoops. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas.
1: We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Major League Baseball spring training games start today, Scott. More upsets in the top 25, including another system straight up win.
0: And welcome back to the
1: NBA. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Well, we're going to talk some Major League Baseball coming up a little bit later on in the show. Former Major League pitcher Josh Towers, my co host on the MLB podcast, will join us as the Dodgers and Padres will kick off spring training games later on today. But, AJ, we've been leading with college basketball the last couple of days and. Rightfully so. It's the biggest story in sports right now that top 25 teams don't like winning. Uh, last night, we had more upsets in the top 25.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess this is uh, the the precursor to March Madness. Or, yeah, it's February Madness right now. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's like they, they didn't realize, hey, we're supposed to wait around a little bit. <laughs> uh, but some big upsets yesterday in college hoops, including number 12, Illinois. Uh, I mean, they were up like 13 points with three minutes left, four minutes left, and blew the lead. Lose at the end on a foul on a three-point shooter. Three Uh, free throws, yeah. Three free throws go down. Coleman Hawkins committing just an a, a really an egregious foul like you mm-hmm. cannot let that happen and Penn State wins 90 to 89 playing in the rec center uh, so a, a very intimate home court <laughs> crowd and home court matters as we know in the Big Ten uh, but Illinois uh, falling to Penn State that's an ugly loss for Illinois who was right there in second place in the Big Ten elsewhere the the other upsets number 16 Dayton falls 67-71 to George Mason at George Mason we talked about Mason being sort of a uh, a, a feisty team mm-hmm. and and probably better than their their record says they are they showed up and and really put on a nice second half performance to knock off the flyers and LSU unranked LSU 14 and 12 LSU <laughs> gets a buzzer beater 75-74 win over Kentucky uh number 17 Kentucky in the country goes down at the buzzer the fan storm the court a lot of court storms mm-hmm. yesterday and elsewhere in the top 25 we had a couple couple teams hold on in close ones uh Alabama went to overtime with Florida 98-93 was the final I played 174 played over 174 which is I mean one of the bigger numbers out you'll ever see me play you'll ever see posted even and I got lucky that it went to overtime because it was 170 when overtime came around and ends with, of course, you know, 191. Yep. So not much of a sweat once overtime got going. Uh, but Alabama just dominated the OT period. Uh, Duke, speaking of domination, Miami shorthanded and Duke punished them at 84-55. That's a road win for number eight Duke, a big road win. And Miami is... Probably not a tournament team uh, mm-hmm. at this point. It would, it would take a real deep run for them in the ACC tournament to make the tournament. And speaking of domination, oh my goodness, Marquette, number seven in the country, 105 to 71, they beat the corpse of DePaul basketball. DePaul now 0 and 15. In Big East play, 3-23 overall, just a disgusting season for DePaul. And New Mexico gets a uh, a tight win at home uh, over Colorado State, number 22 in the country. The unbeaten, or excuse me, the unranked Lobos win the game but don't cover as the uh, the system yes, favorites. But it still improves that unranked
1: favorite versus a ranked team. That system Is now 24 and 18 straight up. So the ATS is not great. 20 and 22 ATS,
0: but. 24-18 Twenty four and eighteen straight up. Yeah, money poured in late on New Mexico. Uh, the line got pushed up to eight, and if you played the money line, you were looking at like a, a minus three, over three hundred. Yeah, over yeah. three hundred. Probably so weren't I, playing that. Probably not playing that. No. So uh, it, it, it's tough because I mean, you you want to get on these system type plays, mm-hmm. and we're seeing. Listen, I I, I won a, a wager last night betting against a home team. Something I haven't done a whole lot lately. <laughs> But I bet on Nebraska at Indiana. I thought Indiana was a dead team. And I made my wager uh, on Tuesday night feeling pretty good about where I was at. It was uh, like the money had come in on Nebraska. It, they opened at one and a half, and then it went down to pick. I said, okay, I got to get it here. And I took some Nebraska at pick em. I woke up. Nebraska's plus two. I'm like, oh, no. Mm. What's happened here? And luckily, Nebraska holds on, wins a game. I, I would say never in doubt, but there was like an 18-2 run where Indiana got back in a game that they were getting blown out in. But a, a fairly easy cover. But you're what I what I learned is you're never going to see money come against the home teams. Like no. it's no. If you want to bet these home teams, you have to bet them early mm-hmm. because it's not going to get better. It's like if you're thinking oh, so they're going to come in on this like. Even the, the Creighton, uh, when Creighton was at home against UConn. Yeah, money they, came in they, on they Creighton. Came, they took money against the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. Like, the market's figured out now how valuable home court is, and it's, it's play at your own risk, these road teams. And if you're going to play them, you might as well wait until late because money is going to continuously come in on these home teams, and that's what happened yesterday. Top
1: 25 teams this year on the road. You ready for this? Yeah. 91, 118, and 1 ATS. It ain't easy. It ain't easy getting out there, Bubba. If you are ranked and on the road, how about road favorites this year in the top 25? 62, 74, and 1 ATS.
0: Man, it's, I'm telling you, it, this the the scene has changed. Like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. most important thing, it's not matchups. It's not uh, you know. It's not players. It's not coaches. It's where's the game being played. And it, that boils down to whistle. I, I mean, you could say, like, oh, rock is home crowd, and that's nice. But the truth is, it's whistle, and mm-hmm. it's, like, it's it's comfort level. And, Absolutely. Uh, it, it really does matter. So it's funny. You would think, like, in a day and age where travel's getting easier and easier, although some of these new conferences, the way they're being set up, travel's getting tougher and tougher now. Like, mm-hmm. you remember, there was a time where, especially college basketball, conferences were very regional, and now you look at some of these like take a look at the footprint for like conference USA i mean it's it's everywhere <laughs> so it's there's now no easy road trips and unless you're playing in like the Ivy League there's no big road trips in the Ivy League but everywhere else it's like man there's some some decent road trips there so and that's not even counting like we talked about this the other day if you played a game in West Virginia a, a big 12 game mm-hmm. And then the next day or next two days later, you had to be in BYU. Yeah. I, I mean, that's... I think
1: honestly, like, and Fez has spoken about this before, I think weather matters. And with, with, the, with the widening of these conferences, you have kids that are going in and out of different weather situations. Now, obviously, they play the games indoors, but they are experiencing different weathers. And what happens when you have rapid change in weather? Players maybe get under the weather a little bit yeah. to, to you know to, to use the word weather again. But you know, you have a team like uh like you you mentioned, a team from the Big Twelve. All right. You're playing in Texas. I know it's cold, a little chilly in Texas, but it's all right. Not that bad. Now you gotta go up to to the to the mountains. Yeah. And it's snowing and 20 degrees, and then you go back to like 70 degrees. Yeah. Like it's just it changes things. Rutgers goes from, you know, wherever they're going to it's just like the map has changed in college basketball. I mentioned Rutgers because they're traveling to Indiana uh, tonight to play against Purdue in West Lafayette. Purdue 14.5-point favorites over the Scarlet Knights. in yeah. 10 action.
0: Yeah, and uh, Purdue's certainly one of those teams that I, I don't want to fade at home. And Purdue's not a team that I trust necessarily uh, come tournament time. And we actually saw Circa put out a a, a little prop yesterday out here in the desert that said, you can have UConn and Purdue versus the field. Oh wow! And I it, feel like you have to take the field. You have to take the field. It's just so unpredictable this year that you have to take the field. It was minus three thirty on the field when they opened mm-hmm. it. Uh, I got a little bit at minus three thirty. Uh, last I saw, it was minus three forty-five. So I, I think well, there was a, only three K limits. So yeah, it's it's not much. So but. To, to me, this is again. I've talked about it. I think it's a wide open season. Mm-hmm. And if I were looking at like, I'd feel better if you said UConn and Houston than UConn and Purdue. Is as, as good as Purdue is. Come tournament time, you can't trust that team. They've got they've they've got a coach who's proven non trustworthy in yeah. the tournament. So, uh, but Purdue, this is a team that had won what ten games in a row before losing that game at Ohio State. Uh, I imagine they come out pissed off and they, they probably put a hurtin on Rutgers. The other game in the top 25 tonight is a top 25 matchup number
1: four Arizona 11 and a half point favorites at home against number 21 Washington State.
0: Yeah Arizona's playing better lately. They', they lost a couple games on the road that were really kind of head scratchers Stanford, uh, Oregon State those are those are game and this Washington State team those are games they're not supposed to lose if they're elite. I'm not sure if if we still think of them as elite. I guess you probably have to. But Washington State's been very good lately too. They won seven straight, and uh, they're sitting at eleven and four in Pac-12 play. This is a team that nobody was expecting to be this competitive. We've got a lot of a lot of credit to Kyle Smith uh, for coaching this team up and, and getting them to this position. But well, I, I'll say this: I'm, I'm not going to bet again. I'm not going to bet against home court. But Washington State's a live team for sure. This is a pretty good squad. This show is sponsored by
1: BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore I've been drinking AG one because for AG one quality, isn't just a buzzword. AG one's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, Major League Baseball spring training games begin today in Peoria. The Dodgers take on the Padres. Here's the plan for both teams. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts has not announced his starting pitcher yet, but he did confirm that Michael Grove and Gavin Stone will both pitch in this game for the Dodgers. We will not see Shohei Ohtani, probably won't see Ohtani in any of the Cactus League games. For the Padres, Joe Musgrove will start the game. Michael King will follow him up out of the bullpen. Here to uh, talk more Major League Baseball with spring training games getting underway is former Major League pitcher Josh Towers, my co-host on the Major League Baseball podcast, heard on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed. Josh, happy New Year. Spring training games are beginning today.
2: Hey, Scotty, happy new year. This snuck up on us quick, man. I gotta be honest with you. Um, I mean, the excitement this past week of everybody showing up to spring training is one thing, but I feel like, uh, I feel like games should be a while away still. So this is great, man. I'm excited about this. So I wanted to
1: ask you from a pitcher's perspective, mm-hmm. where should pitchers be at this point, this early in the spring?
2: Me personally, like I, I, I would not come into spring training unless I can pitch at least four innings that day. But that's just how I specifically trained. I know Roy Halladay was always like five or six, which is, he's a psycho. <laughs> um, but I know teams-wise, they're going to have everybody like at one, which is just crazy. That It's just crazy. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago with the Mets, we had a kid, our number one prospect, came out of spring training. And opening day for the season, he was built up to one inning. And it was – It was so sad to see like the organizations I think are kind of losing touch on how to get guys ready. Uh, But if I'm being realistic with the advancement of everything we know, like how are they not ready to go four innings? And if I'm going to get four to five weeks, so I mean, let's just say 30 days, five, six starts, man. I mean, my guys better be built up to go seven, eight. And I know I won't let them go nine, but they should be able to go nine if I needed them to on opening day. So yeah you know, we get we do so much work in the off season to be ready um, and i feel like in spring training we're almost put in a position where they set us back which is unfortunate but um if I, if I don't let my ego take over knowing how and what I did, I would say that every player should be ready to go at least two innings when they get to camp.
1: Well, how concerned are you about any injuries that occur this early? I mean, you mentioned the Mets. Kode Senga experienced arm fatigue after throwing a side session no yesterday. Such thing. no such thing. It's as arm fatigue?
2: You no, know, it is. It kind of like, but it's not really a real thing. Like, what is arm fatigue? Like, how my arm got tired? Well, I don't even know what that means. Like, Take a nap. Like I don't really know what that means, but if we're using arm fatigue in the first day of spring training, that's something we use in like August of the season to to buy them some time because we're five months in the season, right? But we're using arm fatigue as day one. It just shows us that we don't even know what that means. It's just a made-up excuse. Uh something's wrong. Like no one should be hurt. But yeah, injuries can happen at any moment. I do I will say that. You don't know. Um, but that's more of like like you saw what happened to that football player in the in the in the Super Bowl. He was hopping up on ready to go in and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it just blew on him. Unfortunately, like, that stuff freakishly happens. But like there's nothing that's gonna happen to a pitcher right now that gives me arm fatigue unless I literally did absolutely nothing all offseason. And then I show up and I'm trying to like play baseball all of a sudden because it takes time to build up where we want to be built so no i just think it's a made-up thing i think he's probably hurt and they don't want to be honest
0: what about and
2: they they're they're probably confused too like how could you show up hurt Mm mm-hmm (laughs) at, At, the though, right? <laughs> as a pitcher,
0: when you show up, it, like, do you, what kind of shape do you expect your catchers to be in? Because that seems like the other position that takes some Ooh. some extra adjustment. How how far along do you expect catchers to be when they show up day one?
2: You know what? I've actually never thought about it because they show up with us early, um, and catchers are you know they're usually in, in phenomenal shape. Like again, they're squatting hundreds and hundreds of times a day. So their legs and their, their butt, their core, like ground up and inside out, like the two things that we do, I feel like catchers are always there. So I actually never thought about that because I've never really seen a catcher in shape or negatively in shape that I feel has impacted us in a bad way. I mean, they don't run like I do as a pitcher, like it's, it's slightly different on their preparation. So, um, I don't know. Just sit there and don't move. Like, give me a target, split the corners of the plate and don't move, dude. I'll hit your glove. That's all I need.
1: Josh, a lot of Dodgers fans and baseball fans are very excited about yeah. Shohei Otani. He's taken live BP. Oh, awesome. he, he plans on getting about 50 at bats this spring. They don't plan on playing him in the cactus league games, but he should be ready to go for opening day. Now we know he's not going to pitch this entire season, as he recovers yep. from the arm injury, he's just going to be a hitter. But how worried are you about his ability to come back as a pitcher after taking the year off, and instead of rehabbing, he is going to be a hitter. He's an everyday DH.
2: Oh, he's he'll be rehabbing every day. Like, his rehab for throwing, well, that won't be affected uh, at all. I mean, again, keep in mind, like, if it's a 7 o'clock game, you know, we get to the field at noon or 1 o'clock. So, um, no, he he won't skip a beat, and nor has he yet on his rehab with anything. That that'll be on point every day, um, and he's always been the guy that, which is the most impressive part, is he's preparing as two people every day. So he's got that down to a science. Um, yeah, he's always going to miss it. Once you have Tommy John, like you're going to miss a, a certain amount of time, and this just coincides with this season. So I don't worry about that at all. He'll, he'll he's going to come back, you know, just as strong if not stronger after that, uh, and it clearly the way my arm bends back and pulls on that elbow when I go to throw hitting, it doesn't do that at all. So I, I don't see Shohei being affected negatively as a hitter. And I don't see his rehab being uh, affected at all. I, my only fear for Shohei is the Dodgers overly babying him.
0: Hmm. I don't you, think they need to. When you, when you look at these guys who are still at this point in the game, still free agents, what kind of preparation should they be like Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, like Blake Snell had a phenomenal season last year. Like Cody Bellinger couldn't have had much better of a year. And these guys are still sitting around. What's it like for them trying to get prepared for a season, but not knowing where they're going to be. And I I guess of those guys specifically, like, what do you think the holdup is on, on these guys getting, uh, getting with the team?
2: Uh, A lot of things. I think you asked me a few questions there. I'll try to touch them all. Um, Okay, first off, most of them are Boris clients, and that's his fault. Like, he does this to his clients, and for whatever reason, they believe him. Uh, And he has delivered on getting people money, but he's also failed on getting people paid as well. There's certain people that I just don't get. The Matt Chapman thing blows my mind. Matt Chapman turned down so much money from Oakland a few years back, and he realized right away how bad he failed. Um, And I know stuff that people don't know as far as conversations that Matt might have had with other people about did I mess up Uh, should I have done this and the answer was yeah you royally screwed up on not taking that contract. Now Matt overplayed his hand he thought he was better than he was, but more so he listened to his agent who wasn't realistic about Matt Chapman at the time, who was a really good baseball player. And so he ended up losing. I want to say 150 or $180 million. And then he ends up signing with the Jays, get the two-year $25 million deal. Like he got a couple of it back, but never what was off on the table. And it's always, in my opinion, affected Matt Chapman mentally in a very bad way. So for him to go and almost rebound his career a little bit in Toronto, and then create a spot where he's actually going to make a little money, for him to do this to himself again with the same agent, Is mind blowing. And we're talking about what, five years later? Like Matt Chapman is trying to bite my tongue. I'm being (laughs) nice, man. Like he's he's messed up for the second time. And now this one's on him because fool me once, right? Fool me twice. Mm -hmm. This one's on Matt. It's crazy. Blake Snell, I'm a fan of him. I love the way he pitches. Uh he did well in Tampa, he did well in San Diego. But I don't know, man. There's something about Blake that's like he, he doesn't strike me as a guy who wants to step up in the big games in the toughest moments. And so, like, if we put Blake Snell in, in New York as a Yankee having to do certain things when they'll, when they'll cuss you out in the stands and the media is going to wear you out when you're walking to get a car the next day on the corner, like, is he built for that? And so we all want to get paid, but baseball pays us in such a way now that you don't have to hold out the way you used to. So I, I think Boris is doing – he's doing a very negative thing for our game. I think a lot of these players aren't being realistic. And I think that sometimes the ownership is pretty smart. I think they realize some of the things that like what I feel I'm seeing with these guys, I think the ownership at times actually gets it right. I would be nervous about signing Blake Snell too, especially for the money that he's asking. Um, I don't 100% believe what I'm about to tell you guys, but I did make the comment not like the other day on Twitter that if you're a free agent. Who went into the off as a free agent, like like Chapman, like Blake Snell, like who knew this was their free agent year and they were going to get paid, and you don't have a job yet, like I don't think you should be allowed to play. I think you you had your chance and, and the season started and and wait till next year. This is what I like I I kind of have some serious belief in that. We saw this happen a couple of years ago where they created that second spring training for mm-hmm. all of the mm-hmm. players who weren't signed yet, and look what happened to every one of them: Dallas Keuchel and all these guys. None of them were ready to play. It showed. It showed us if we never paid attention before, it showed us the importance of spring training and what it really means to our preparation for the season. And every one of these dudes who miss spring training are going to be god awful the first half of the season. Uh, worst case, like, there don't get them on your fantasy team. Like, don't bank on them. Like, I wouldn't. We're not betting on them, Scotty, at all because. Mm-hmm. It's, they're just not ready to play like this spring training stuff that we do, these these PIPs and all the stuff The early mornings, the discipline, like it's so vital to our getting in midseason form. You cannot duplicate any of this at home. I don't care. That's why they try to do that second spring training, um, because at home, we just kind of, you know, show up to wherever we go. We throw our shoes on, do a couple of sprints, get loose, you know, a couple of arm circles and then we throw. Uh, and now all of a sudden, we, you know, we're putting in a few hours on the field each day and. We just don't have the discipline to do it at home. And so they're just not the same player. They won't be for the whole season. One final
1: thing, Josh, when it comes to betting on spring training games, you know, a lot of baseball fans, a lot of baseball bettors are very eager to get back in the saddle. And when we see the games come up on our feed, we're like, all right, here's our opportunity to start betting on these games. What should bettors be aware of or maybe weary of when it comes to betting on spring training games? Like from a player's perspective, what could you tell the better to, to you know, watch out for here if you're going to bet on a spring training game?
2: Yeah, not even joking. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you bet on spring training baseball games, you just don't like money. Um, it's, it's impossible. Right? You're trying to bet on a nine inning game of players you don't even know who's on the team or who's, like, playing, you don't know anything. You don't know who's scheduled to start – I mean, start pitch all game. And, you know, we know as players because the schedule's been up, but it gets adjusted. I, I don't even know. I go to the field, let's say tomorrow morning, right? I go to the field tomorrow, and I'll walk in, and there's going to be, like, four or five new guys sitting in the locker room that came up from the minor leagues that none of us know they're coming up or, you know, we may or may not even know the guys. Um, but they're going to get in the game at some point. I mean, I've went and backed up before I was ever invited to big league camp. I went and backed up and pitched in games that, like, I wasn't even supposed to be there. I just came up for a few days from minor league camp. And, like, so you're going to go risk money on a game and somebody like Josh Towers, who you never heard of, is going to randomly pitch a couple innings in the game because – and you're like, wait, what is this guy? Who is this guy from? Where I never heard of this dude. Like, how could you trust or have any insight on what's really, really going to happen? You don't. So a spring training game is literally as, as much of a crap shoot as anything, in my opinion.
1: Hey, didn't that Josh Towers guy strike out Derek Jeter one time?
2: Oh, God, a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> a couple times. We talk about the good stuff. I love you for that.
1: <laughs> Josh, I appreciate the time, brother. Uh, happy New Year again. Enjoy the start of spring training, and I uh, can't wait to record the first baseball podcast with you coming shortly.
2: Let's do it, baby. Good to see you guys. Thank you for uh, having me on and talking about this.
1: Once again, you can hear Josh and myself once we get rolling with the Major League Baseball podcast and R.J. Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed. Just the one game today, Dodgers and Padres from Peoria. The Dodgers and Padres are going to open the season in South Korea. On March, uh, what is it? March 20th. So they got the early start to spring training, so they can get ready for that game in South Korea tomorrow. We actually have uh, four games on the schedule, including Dodgers and Padres, except playing in Phoenix this time.
0: Yeah, and it was announced that the uh, the Dodgers, the two, the two pitchers that they're going to throw over there in Korea, Yamamoto and mm-hmm. Tyler Glasnow. Yes. So uh, they, they've already they've already announced their opening day mm-hmm. pitchers. You know what the the worst thing
1: is about those international games to start the season is that when the Dodgers and Padres come back from South Korea, they play spring training games. Oh, (laughs) that's that's so so bad. So so (laughs) they will play on March 20th. They'll play the Korea series. Those are regular season games on Wednesday, March 20th and Thursday, March 21st. Then they will come back from Korea and resume spring training games when they return. I think the Dodgers might – I mean, they'll have a couple of days off, obviously, to travel. But when they come back, they will resume spring training games. The Dodgers host the Angels uh, at Dodger Stadium, actually, on Sunday, March 24th. That is a spring training game. So they'll play two regular season games come back, and then play spring training games. Yeah, no good. Yeah. The NBA returns from its all-star break tonight as the second half gets underway. Let's take a look at the schedule for tonight's games. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who went into the all-star break as one of, if not the hottest team in the NBA, they are six-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Orlando Magic. The Pistons visit the Pacers. Indy, an 11.5-point favorite at home. The Knicks are at the Sixers. Philly, a one-point favorite, AJ. I mean, I know the Knicks are banged up, but Philly, one-point home favorites against the Knicks tonight?
0: It's uh, Does it seem short to you? Mm. Are you liking the Knicks? I, I just don't know what Knicks are going to show up I, I mean, yeah. after the break. I, I The Knicks are a team that I want to see what roster they roll out there today in their first game back. I just want to make sure that the it, things are going in the right way, pointing in the right direction for the Knicks before I start betting on it. Uh, the Knicks announcing yesterday, Julius Randle still out,
1: doesn't rule out surgery, but they are still waiting to see when he is going to be able to Return to action. Elsewhere, the Nets are at the Raptors, and Toronto's a two-point favorite. Suns visit the Mavericks, Dallas laying two and a half. The Celtics at the Bulls, Boston seven and a half point favorites. Clippers
0: visit the Thunder, OKC two-point favorites over the Clippers, AJ. That, that seems right to me. I, I know the Clippers have the big names, but OKC's playing so well, I, I, I don't want to fade them right now. So I, I, think, I think OKC would be the side if I were playing that game.
1: Rockets at the Pelicans, New Orleans, seven-point favorites. The Wizards at the Nuggets, Denver laying 15. (laughs) The Hornets are at the Jazz, Utah laying 10. Lakers visit the Warriors. No LeBron James for the Lakers. Warriors five and a half point favorites.
0: Yeah, without LeBron, that sounds about right. I mean, anytime you see, anytime you hear a weird number with the Lakers, you can assume that somebody's sitting out, and this time it is going to be LeBron James. Uh, I'd probably just look at some Anthony Davis props. I expect he has a big day, and it, it, you know, I, I don't know if I want to if if I want to uh, take five and a half points. Uh, with the Lakers here, especially at Golden State. But I-, I think Anthony Davis will have himself a day.
1: LeBron using the break to get extra treatment on his ankle, a.k.a. extra vacation time for LeBron James. Uh, and finally, the Spurs are at the Kings, Sacramento, nine-point favorites. Hockey last night, the Sabres beat the Canadiens 3-2. to It was the Flyers over the Blackhawks 3-1. Blue Jackets, a 7-4 win over the Ducks. This was a wild game. Columbus had a 3-0 lead after the first period, and then Anaheim ties the game at 4-4 after the second period, and then Columbus scores three unanswered in the third period, so a 7-4 win for Columbus over Anaheim last night. The Maple Leafs doubled up. The Coyotes 6-3. Austin Matthews, we talked about this briefly on yesterday's show, Matthews Going back to Arizona, his hometown, playing in front of friends and family with a chance to score goal number 50 on the season. Not only does he score number 50, but a lucky bounce off of his shoulder goes into the net for goal number 51. So Matthews scores twice as the Maple Leafs win 6-3 to three over the Coyotes. And Austin Matthews becomes the fastest player to 50 goals in 2018. 20- Eight years. 54th game of the season. He now has 51 goals. That is the fastest player since Mario Lemieux <laughs> in 1995 96. Wow. Gretzky was the fastest player ever to get 50 goals. He did it in like four games. 39 games he did it in
0: 81-82. That was the year he scored 92 goals. Hockey's so funny because anytime there's like – you look at records as Gretzky records and non-Gretzky records. So anytime somebody's doing something that's like a non-Gretzky thing, it's like, man, this guy's Mm -hmm. the best since – and it's always since Gretzky. But – I mean, you can't even compare the best guys now. Even even if they're having like phenomenal years, it's gonna come nowhere close. So Lemieux, uh,
1: I'm sorry, Lemieux did it in 50 games. So Matthews, uh, 50 goals in 54 games. Lemieux had it in 50 games. Gretzky in 39 games. Matthews is the fastest U.S. born player to 50 goals in a single season, passing Kevin Stevens' record of 62 games in 92-93. He has nine goals in the last
0: four games. That's unbelievable, man. Yeah, he's on 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 a tear, if, and if you look and, look, and I don't even know. You said he got lucky off his shoulder. I think he did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> well, the
1: first goal was he almost had a hat trick too on the most ridiculous play. He was not even facing the net, and he kind of just slapped at the puck, a backhanded shot, and got actually good wood on it. And it went right towards Vemelka, the goaltender for Arizona, who had to make a surprising save, or else he would have had the hat trick again. Uh, If you look at the awards market right now, uh, Matthews is the overwhelming favorite to win the Rocket Richard Award as the top goal scorer this year. I mean, again, 51 goals in 54 games. That's that's pretty good for Austin Matthews, who uh, leads the league in goals. The next highest is Sam Reinhart with 39. Of the Panthers. So I think there's a reason why he's the overwhelming favorite here. This is what's interesting to me. He's the third favorite to win the Hart Trophy as the league's MVP. Oh, wow. Nathan McKinnon of Colorado is the favorite at plus 185. Nikita Kucherov of the Lightning is second favorite at plus 270. And Austin Austin Matthews is the third favorite at plus 300. What do you think is driving that? Uh, Nikita Kucherov leads the league with 94 points. Okay. Um, Nathan McKinnon's second with 92 points. So if if you, if you just look, like, both of them, Kucherov has 36 goals and 58 assists. McKinnon's got 33 goals and 59 assists. Matthews with the 51 goals, but just 24 assists. So he's at 75 points.
0: How much of this goes into – of that MVP goes into team success? Like, what's the uh... – I
1: think, I think it does factor in as well. And you look at, uh, you know, the Lightning – are behind the Leafs and the standings, but Colorado has an opportunity to finish with, as one of the top teams in the Western conference once again. So uh, I do think McKinnon, who, you know, listen, if you're asking people right now, who's the best player in the NHL, you're going to, people are going to, people are going to answer Nathan McKinnon. You're gonna, he's going to be one of the players that it's going to be the, you know, you're going to have half the people say McDavid. You're going to have half the people say, you know, maybe Austin Matthews, but, McKinnon's going to get a lot of people saying he's the top player in the league right now. Um, so i tell you what, it's going to be phenomenal when we get international playback next year with NHL players going mm. to the Olympics because we get to see for the first time in years the top players in the world playing together for their country. Yeah. Like, what? Like, that's going to be disgusting seeing, <laughs> like, Nathan McKinnon playing on the same line with, like, Connor McDavid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, anyway, uh, so congratulations to Austin Matthews. Goals number 50 and 51. The fastest U.S.-born player to get 50 goals in a single season. One other result from last night. In overtime, the Bruins, a 6-5 win over the Oilers. They had a 4-2 lead going into the third period. Blew that lead. They were tied 5-5, and they win it 6-5 in overtime. Here's what's on your schedule for tonight. The Stars are at the Senators, Dallas minus 150. Avalanche, speaking of Nathan McKinnon, visit the Red Wings, Colorado minus 140. Capitals are at the Lightning, Tampa Bay, speaking of Nikita Kucherov, minus 200. Rangers visit the Devils, and this is kind of split both ways right now. New Jersey's slight favorites, minus 115, despite the fact the Rangers have won five straight games. Canadians at the Penguins. You have the Panthers at the Hurricanes. Another split, kind of evenly. Carolina minus one fifteen, despite the Panthers winning a bunch of games here in a row. Uh, Islanders are at the Blues, and so another close game split. Islanders minus one fifteen. The Maple Leafs visit the Golden Knights. Our Golden Knights. So we get to see. He's trying to know, claim them again. I see. That's yeah, cool. we get to see now Austin Matthews and the Leafs travel from Arizona to Vegas to play the Knights. Uh, The Canucks are at the Kraken. Vancouver's minus 125. Predators at the Kings. LA minus 155. The Bruins uh, are at the Flames, so the second of a back-to-back for the Bruins after playing in overtime last night. They are minus 130 favorites in Calgary. The MLS season kicked off yesterday with Inter-Miami A 2-0 victory. You know, that's what they say in soccer. It's 0, it's nil.
0: nil. Yeah, I like that.
1: A 2-0 victory for Leo Messi and Inter Miami. They beat Real Salt Lake. Messi with an assist on the first goal of the game. He did not score a goal. He was minus 150 to score a goal, but he did not score. Uh, He did have the assist on the first goal and um, was instrumental in setting up the second goal. As well. So Miami off to, you know, everyone's saying Miami's the super team this year, off to a really good start. Uh, no MLS games until Saturday will be a full schedule of MLS action. No, we will not handicap all the MLS games. I'll leave that up to guys like Griffin Warner up on pregame.com. Speaking of pregame.com, you can save 20% at pregame.com if you use the promo code CBB20. CBB20, like college basketball. CBB20, with all the upsets in college basketball. Here's something not to be upset about. I just wrote that, by the way nice. 20% off your purchase at pregame.com. The promo code is CBB20. Save 20% off any purchase at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, our guest, Josh Towers, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.